of our time there this morning. It's so good uh, seeing everybody. You'll have to just kind of follow along as we push through. Um, it's good seeing everybody. We have visitors with us. We want to let you know we're excited to have you here. We're excited to have you. And it is a wonderful opportunity we have to be here. As Keith made mention at the very beginning of our worship, to be here and to focus ourselves on God, as we've done already, to have an incredible opportunity to worship him, doing so together. It's a beautiful thing. Hundreds of us here, focused on God, pushing the world aside for a moment, being here together, praying together, remembering his sacrifice together, and now opening up his word and studying from it together. I'm excited about that, and I'm excited to see you, and I'm excited about the time that we have for a few minutes to study from God's word. We think about a couple of definitions. We want to start just with a couple of definitions, and we're not going to be overly surprised about how these terms are defined, but it is important for us to kind of put it into our minds still. The idea of being committed to something. If we were to define the idea of being committed, and you were to look that word up in the dictionary, you're going to find something like this. The state or quality of being dedicated to a cause. The state or quality of being dedicated to a cause. And so now you have this word dedicated, where it's still very similar to the word committed. So if we were then to... A new one? Okay, I'll trust that it works. Okay, great. So if we were to think about now the, uh, the idea of dedicate or the definition of dedicated, and you would look that up in the dictionary, you're going to find this, committed to a task or purpose. And when I looked up those two words, I was struck by the circular nature of them, where one pointed you to the other and the other pointed you back to the one. And my initial thought was, how can you ever find out what a word actually means if they just ping pong back and forth? one after the other. But as I thought about it a little bit more and thought about it as an adult person, as we all are here this morning, we can get rid of those definitions because we know what it means to be committed. We know what it means to be dedicated. I didn't have to look that word up in the dictionary to know and to understand what being dedicated to something is. I didn't need to look up the idea of being committed because we know what that is. We understand what that is. Well, we know what being committed or dedicated to something looks like. And we know what it doesn't look like. If I were to tell you, I am dedicated, I am committed to being a great golfer. I'm dedicated to that. I'm committed to that. And then you'd be like, well, how much do you practice? I don't practice. Well, how much do you play? I don't, I don't play. Uh, uh, once a year, twice a year I play. But I'm dedicated. I'm committed to you. Everybody here knows that, that's not dedication. You're not committed to that. That's not what that is. We know what those words are. So I'm going to ask you this morning to allow your mind to stay in simple zone today. Because we understand what being dedicated and committed to something is. We understand what it looks like, and we understand what it doesn't look like. We understand that true dedication, true dedication, 
is when we are willing and we do give something our all. Not a piece, not some of, or even most of, but if we're going to use the word dedicated or committed, we understand it is when we are giving our all to something. It is upon that idea that I want to spend some time in Romans chapter 12. All right, so Romans chapter 12. Here we go. Romans chapter 12. It is a powerful passage that talks specifically about our relationship to God and our dedication to it. Listen, we understand what it takes to be dedicated to God. Even Jesus himself, everybody knows, we recall, when Jesus was asked about, you know, the greatest commands, and he talks about our love to God, he doesn't just say, listen, it's important you need to love God. You need to do that. You need to love God. He doesn't say it like that. He says you've got to be committed to your love for God. You've got to be dedicated to God. And so he says it in the way that with our love, he says you've got to love God with everything that you have. You're all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your heart, all of your strength. You've got to love him with everything that you have. And when you do that, you're dedicated. That's what dedication is. And so I want us to be thinking about that idea, and I want you to be thinking about what true dedication is, specifically in our relationship to God, and I want us to think about it in three steps. And Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 helps us with that. Let's read it together. I'm in Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. You have the Apostle Paul as he's writing to the brethren there in Rome. We're getting towards the back end of this book a bit, and he wants them to be thinking about their relationships to God, their relationship to one another. And he begins this chapter with these words. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Three steps. Three things that talk about our dedication to God. And the first is in verse 1. We have to dedicate our bodies to God. What an incredible phrase this is. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Present your bodies. Showcase your body as a living sacrifice. Before God. Before our trust in God. We would use our bodies for desires, pleasures, those sinful purposes. But as a Christian, we belong to him. We use our bodies to glorify him. I want to establish two principles to help us to see this. Hold your finger in Romans chapter 12. We're going to come back to that. But I want to direct your attention to two passages that help us with a principle that we're going to use. The first is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, just a few pages from where you are there in Romans chapter 12. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning of verse 19, again, the Apostle Paul, in talking to the brethren in Corinth, he says, Do you not know 
that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now keep that thought in your mind and look back over to Philippians chapter 1. In the passage that Vinny read for us just a moment ago, as Paul is writing to these brethren, talking about himself in a lot of ways, he says this in verse 20, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. You know, it's interesting when we study and we read, especially that passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and we make the point, and rightly so, that our bodies are the temple of God, that we were bought with a price, that even our own bodies are not ours, that we are just stewards of them. I think that's right, and I think there are applications to be made based off of that idea. I think there is application to be made as we study from Romans chapter 12 about us presenting our bodies as living sacrifices. And we think about those ideas. And again, I think application can be made that we need to take care of the bodies that we have because we are stewards of them and God gave them to us. I think there are applications to be made that we as Christians are not to abuse our bodies, abuse them with things even like alcohol or other various substances. I think there are applications and points to be made about the dress that we put on our bodies and signifying what we are showcasing to the people around us. I think all of those applications can be made But did you notice really in both passages, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and in Philippians chapter 1, the onus is placed upon what we do with our bodies. That with this body that I have, I will glorify God with it. Now a lot of those other negative things that we just made mention of come into play for sure. But it is a mindset that can make all the difference. It's the mindset. If you're in Romans chapter 12, go backwards in the book of Romans, just a couple of pages. In Romans chapter 6, in the passage that Paul, he's reminding these brethren about when it was that they put Christ on in baptism, that they crucified the old man. They put the old man to death, and they rose up out of the waters of baptism, as Jesus did, out of the grave, a new creature. And by doing that, that has a diff- that makes a difference on our attitudes. And so he makes this point in Romans chapter 6 and verse 13. He says, Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. That's the New King James Version. The New Living Translation says it this way, which I liked a lot. Listen to the wording, and especially what we've been talking about already this morning. 
It renders it like this. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. I like that rendering a lot. Because it helps with my thinking. Let's think about it this way. When we read this passage in Romans chapter 12, especially there in verse 1, as we have this visual of presenting our bodies as living sacrifices. Ask yourself the question, well, what with my body and my advertising? Think of your body, your life, as a billboard. What does it say? In the way that I speak to other people, what does that say? What does that advertise? In the places that I go, the people that I spend my time with, what does that say? What does that advertise? In the clothes that I wear, the clothes that I wear, what, what does that advertise? What, what does that say? Now, the world, in the way that they speak, or in the way that they dress, or in the places that they go, and the things that they do, they often are advertising either the world, things of the world, or they are advertising self. Either look at the world and what the world is all about, and I'm all about that too, or look at me and, and be, be all about that, because that's important. Or... Are we advertising God? That when people look at me, watch me, pay attention to me, what do they see? Do they see the world? Here is someone that is no different than anything else that I see in every other place that I go. Here is someone that doesn't speak any different, someone who doesn't act any different, someone who doesn't dress any different, someone who doesn't go to any different places, someone who doesn't do any different things, listen to any different music, watch any different things on television or on the Internet. Here is someone who looks just like everyone else looks. Or here is someone who is all about themselves always, that everything that they do is magnifying or pushing self in front. Or, when people look at you and they listen to you and they watch you, do they see God? You see, that's the point that Paul was making here in Romans 12. It's the point that he's making in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It most certainly is the point that he's making in Philippians chapter 1 and the point that he's made in Romans chapter 6. That, that we as a Christian are gods. And we should be living a life magnifying now, you remember when I said a moment ago, keep your mind this morning in easy town? 
because I really think that's a question everybody here can answer this morning. I do. In the way that I speak, is it the world or is it God? In the way I conduct myself in the places that I go, the people that I spend my time with, is it the world or is it God? In the way that I dress, is it the world or is it God? You see, I'm confident every single one of us this morning can answer that question. All of us can. Now, we may or may not like the answer that comes, but I'm confident we can, we can, answer, we can answer it, all of us. You see, we are pushed here, urged even, to present our bodies as living sacrifices. But what Paul does for us is he even gives us the reasons to do that. Did you take notice of it there in verse 1? He says, the reason that you do this. He says, number one, the reason you do it is it is a proper response to everything that God has done for you. He says you should do this by the mercies of God. You should be thinking of all of the incredible things that God has done for you. This is what he has asked of me. God gave his life for me. He's asking that I give my body. Jesus gave up heaven for a time for me. He's asking I give up my body. Jesus died on the cross for me. He's asking that I give up my body. And secondly, Paul will make the point that seems reasonable. The New King James uses that it is our reasonable service. All other English translations will use the word spiritual worship. And I do like that because, again, full circle points us back to the idea of glorifying or magnifying God in our body. So think about it this way. Every single day that I yield my body, every single day that I yield my body to God, it is a day of worship to him. And the way that I conduct life in this body, doing so in a righteous way, it is worship to God. But then on the flip side, every single time in this body, I go contrary to his way. It's spitting in his face. For each and every one of us this morning, Am I presenting my body as a living sacrifice? Better question. Am I dedicating my body to God? Or am I doing that just sometimes? Or am I doing that just a little bit? Remember, we've already made the point, and all of us would agree. That's not dedication. That's not commitment. I don't know what, I don't know what that is but it's not dedication. We need to be thinking about that. But the power of this passage continues because it's not just about us dedicating our body to God. He says that we've got to dedicate our mind to God. Let's read Romans 12, 1 and 2 again. 
I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, the world wants to control your mind. God wants to transform your mind. And so the way that the world looks to control your mind is it operates from without. Fancy blinking lights. Big signs that say, come this way, do this thing. It'll be great. It'll be fantastic. But God wants to transform our mind, and to do that, he does so from within. We've already been in Philippians chapter 1. I want you to look at the end of that book in Philippians chapter 4. We think about how it is that we go about transforming our mind. We're reminded of this. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Now again, don't drive out. Don't move away from easy town this morning. What do we spend our time thinking about? Is our mind dedicated to God? Or do we spend our time thinking about other things? What do we fill our mind with? Do we fill our mind with God's word? Do we fill our mind meditating upon the kind of things that Paul just referenced in Philippians chapter 4? Or do we fill our mind up with Worldly things, dangerous, destructive things. Who controls that mind? Is your mind controlled by the world? Is your mind controlled by God? You see, that idea gives us one of the most used uh, preachery phrases of all time, spiritually minded. Right? How many times have you heard the preacher talk about being spiritually minded? A bajillion times, right? It is a super preacher word. But that's where that idea comes from. To be spiritually minded is to be thinking about spiritual things. And the point that Paul is making here is that if if you want to have a great relationship with God, if you want to have a true relationship with God, it's got to be committed. It's got to be dedicated. And you've got to dedicate your body. And you've got to dedicate your mind Because your mind controls your body. And if your mind is dedicated to God, your body will be. But even in this last verse of verse 2 of Romans chapter 12, your mind controls your body, but your will controls your mind. Look at verse 2 again where it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, your mind controls your body, 
Your will controls your mind. God wants all of that. He wants your will. He wants your mind and he wants your body. So only when we can yield our will to God, his power can take over. And that brings us to another phrase we often use. Willpower. You see, when I yield myself to God, his power then can take over. The strength that we need will be provided. How does that happen? Well, I'll tell you it happens in a huge way in prayer. You know, that passage in Philippians chapter 4 that we just read a moment ago in verse 8 that talked about what we should be thinking about, our mindset, that same passage in Philippians chapter 4, listen to how he begins kind of that thought in verse 6 where he says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Isn't that what we want? Is it that peace of mind, what we're looking for? Is it that no anxiousness and worry? Is it that what we're looking for? Well, you give yourself to God. We surrender to him. We dedicate ourselves to him, and it can be there for us. Let's close with this point. This morning, let's be thankful. Let's be thankful for Romans chapter 12. Let's be thankful this morning for this opportunity. An opportunity in a setting like we are in. An opportunity to be serious. An opportunity where we're focused on God. What God has given us this morning, right now, is an incredible blessing because he has provided us a moment, a moment that we can be still, that we can be honest, and that we can evaluate our dedication. I've already said a couple of times, and I'll say it one more time. It is not a difficult question to ask and to answer if we are dedicated to God. It's not a hard question. If my body is dedicated to him, if my mind is dedicated to him, if my will is dedicated to him, that's not a difficult question. And I think it's easy to answer. But the blessing that we have is an opportunity right now to do that, to take a moment, to evaluate, to consider. In a lot of ways, that's what the elders have provided for us the entirety of this trimester, to be thinking about our dedication to God, to be thinking about our commitment to him. It's an incredible opportunity, and we've got to seize it. We've got to be thankful for it, that here we are, the time to think about it. Maybe the answer that you come up with in your mind 
Is it an answer that you love? Well, there's something else to be thankful for in this moment right now is God has given us the time to do something about it. What an incredible blessing that is. Let's take advantage of that as well. Kayla is going to lead us in a song of invitation. It gives us an opportunity to think about those things that we've talked about. Certainly gives us the opportunity to be considering our relationship with God and where we are with him. An incredible opportunity. How foolish it would be this morning to be given this incredible blessing and to not take advantage of it. How foolish that would be. Let's take advantage of it this morning. Let's be thinking about where we are with God. Let's be thinking about our relationship with him. And maybe we can help you with that in some way. Maybe this morning we can help you with your relationship with God. Maybe it is because of your sin, you're separated from him. And that sin needs to be washed away in the waters of baptism. We'd love to help you with that. Or maybe you've walked with him for a while, but you're not as dedicated to him as you need to be. What a great opportunity to do something about that. Maybe we can help. If we can, you let us know as we stand and sing.